Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host. Thank you for joining us. We're grateful to be here, thankful to be here, and we hope that you're having a wonderful day. Uh, and I do want to tell you guys one quick thing is that I am here with our executive producer and co-host, Mark Griffith. He is thebomb.com. We can go to thebomb.com and you will find Mark. No, I'm kidding. But you can find us at thehousinghour.com. You can find the treasure trove of information there on us. Um, you can also go to Mark's Pinterest. He's a big pinner. Um, but also you can go to facebook.com slash the housing hour, as well as our Twitter, which is at the housing hour. We'd love for you to plug in with us and uh, come and join our social media um, prowess, which we really are excited about. And mm -hmm. we have a great team behind us too. We got an we? excellent team. Yeah. And also, by the way, the housing hour.com has uh, been reconstructed and remodeled. Mm -hmm. So we would like for you to go check it out because we're very proud of it. Um, and we've kind of brought it into, I guess, modern day um, websites. It looks awesome. I think you've done a great uh, job. By well, the way. We, as a team, we've definitely nailed it. I think um, we are excited today because first of all, it's that time of the year where Mark and I do historic shows, but we also do Christmas themed shows. And we talk about a variety of things around this holiday. And I love the holiday time, you know, being with family, being with friends. There's just something in the air, except for yesterday, it was 72 degrees, which I think was a tied a 90 year record. Um, according to the uh, captain app accurate, uh, David, uh, Aldridge. Um, but anyway, it is that time of the year. And today we have in studio with us, very excited to have from blunt mansion, the executive director, David Hearns, as well as the director of marketing, Michael Jordan, AKMJ. And thank you guys for joining us. It's our, it's our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Oh, we're so excited about having it. And I want to thank Richard Swan as well for helping us connect with these two guys. Um, how do you guys know Richard, by the way? Is he, he just, just a frequent? He just reached out and, and asked us if we'd like to do it. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Richard has been very helpful to the show, and we're always thankful for him giving us a lot of uh, good you know, guests, and he's actually co-hosted for us, so that's awesome. We were having a little bit of fun off air because we were talking uh, about uh, politics, not current politics, but co politics of the past. And uh, we had last week on our show, if you recall, Dr. Mar uh, Michael Simpson, and we were having one of our legacy series shows. And so we talked a little bit about um, Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton. And we were also talking about as well about whether or not there had ever been a president that was involved in a duel. And I think we've established um, the historic records may suggest that Andrew Jackson was in a duel, but he was not president at the time. He had quite a few duels. Qu he was in quite a few duels. Probably one of the most hands-on presidents we've ever had when it comes <laughs> to fighting. So. Wow. If Trump was back in the day, I bet you there would be a duel every week. And it would be <clears throat> live on CNN and Fox News. Um, Between his staff members, probably. Right. <laughs> 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 That's awesome. Well, guys, I, I love Blunt Mansion. It's a historic place. It's you know, a lot of people don't know the details, I think, going back to who it was that this house really represented and, and who the person behind it was. I actually first, I think, and either one of you guys can take this, would one of you all be willing to just give us the 30,000-foot view of what exactly? Tell us a little bit about the, about the historic site, how it came to be, and just sort of give us an overview. 
Well, Blunt Mansion is the home of our first and only territorial governor, William Blunt. Um, most important for signing the U.S. Constitution, but he's also the man who really helped usher in the state of Tennessee. Um, born and raised in North Carolina, you know, served in the Revolution, um, signed the Constitution for North Carolina, uh, was appointed to the territorial governorship by General Washington, and between 1790 and 96, he was really the one who was tasked with running the territory and creating the state of Tennessee. Um, he is also um, notable for being the only um, U.S. senator to ever be impeached. Uh, he was impeached for treason. Uh, the short oh. version is he basically was reaching out to the British military to take on the Spanish and the French in the Mississippi Valley in Florida. Uh, it was a very poorly kept secret eventually gets caught, and it was really a political thing. Mm. Uh, everybody kind of knew it was going on, but um, he was impeached, but he was never convicted. So so, so he was impeached, I guess, in the House of Representatives? Yes, he was impeached in the House, and then very shortly after, the Senate expelled him, mm-hmm. and he uses that as a reason to leave Philadelphia, come back to Tennessee, and refuse to go back to stand trial, and had his attorneys argue, eventually successfully, that they should have tried him while he was a senator. Mm. The fact they threw him out sort of meant, well, I'm not a senator anymore. Right. You don't have standing to try me. It was it was a partisan impeachment is probably... It was pretty bar- it was actually pretty bipartisan. bipartisan. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, well, know. yeah, we don't want to talk about current day politics, but I think that's one of the things that our, our founding fathers wanted to prevent was a partisan impeachment of yeah. any president or senator. Yes, and in, and in Blunt's case, I think it was pretty well, you know, uh, bipartisan <laughs> consensus that he'd uh, yeah he was probably guilty of the, of it, but he beat it on a technicality, so, right? You know, yeah, wow, that that's a whole other show because I find that fascinating because I think there's a lot to that, and it's very interesting because who knows what his end game was? He was probably trying to play a you know a game that may or may not have benefited the country. Well, I think in the long run, um, Blunt was always interested in benefiting himself and his business partners and, you know, his family. But at the same time, did you say Trump? No, I said blunt. Blunt. Okay. I said blunt, uh, was, um, you know, always interested in, uh, benefiting himself and his business partners. Okay. But also at the same time, (laughs) I I think he did have the, the best interests of the state, uh, in the long run, but you know, he got, uh, he got caught, never got really a chance to, to go through with any of the, any of the conspiracy, I guess you could say. So, you know, interesting that, and of course, this is common knowledge amongst people, I think, that went through Tennessee history or just U.S. history, but, you know, that prior to, I mean, the colonies, Tennessee and North Carolina were one state, right? Mm-hmm. So when um, Blunt became, you know, he was a North Carolina legislator, right? Yep. And that's where he got his start. And then at some point during his history, he was responsible maybe f- even for the creation of Tennessee. Talk a little bit Definitely. about that. Definitely. I mean, his job as territorial governor was to set up the mechanisms of government in the territory mm-hmm. and to push for statehood. So, you know, really what he's doing, his job is to do everything necessary to, you know, take the territory from sort of, you know, with a very small population, encourage people to immigrate to the territory, you know, establish towns, cities, roads, bridge, you know, um, uh, militia units, uh, anything and everything needed to set up the mechanisms of government. Um, And he was very successful. And he was kind of one of the only people responsible for several years. So basically, I wouldn't use the term dictator, but I mean, he he was a one-man show for for a number of years uh, until the legislators created in 1794. So... Now, 
Blunt Mansion, let's bring um, into the conversation MJ over here a little bit. Michael Jordan, number 23, played for the Bulls from Wilmington, North Carolina. No, I'm kidding. But you're the director of marketing for the Blunt Mansion and for the association, I guess it is. So is that right? That's is? correct. And it is the best job in Knoxville. That's awesome. This is your dream job, right? I'm having a blast. So that's incredible. You fell short of saying it was your dream job. You just, just, no, I don't want to parse words here. <laughs> no, that's I'm winning just, the lottery. I don't think that's a job. So. <laughs> that's true. It's so true. But I guess I have a question for you because, you know, Blunt Mansion went through quite the transition at one period of time throughout history. I mean, it, at one point, it wasn't what we know of it today. And it sort of was in the hands of wrong people, I guess, at one point. It, it was dilapidated. dilapidated. It, it wasn't what we know today, right? Well, it has a long and twisted history, uh, mm-hmm. storied history. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was inhabited until the 1920s, mm-hmm. uh, initially by Blunt's family for many years and then other important Knoxville families, and it changes along with the neighborhood around it. Mm-hmm. So by the 1920s, it's kind of a rough and tumble neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And Mary Boyce Temple, who was a Daughters of the American Revolution chapter regent for the Bonnie Kate chapter, uh, realized that the mansion was threatened with demolition because the Andrew Johnson Hotel, which was the brand spanking new hotel going up in downtown Knoxville, needed a parking lot. So mm. she jumped in and she stopped it, saved it from being essentially a flop house wow. and created that museum. So this makes us probably Knoxville's oldest museum and for sure the only national historic landmark in Knoxville. That's so amazing. So we only have a minute left in this segment. and I, I don't want to have the mission, what your all's mission is. We'll jump on the, that in the second segment. And then I know Mark has some things that we definitely want to talk about. He keeps me on topic, tries to at least, um, because I think it's really interesting. And it, like you said, I mean, it is, um, you just mentioned that it was one of the only historic landmarks in Knoxville. The in only ter- national historic national, landmark. I mean, yeah, that's incredible. Um, and I think that, that that is something to be proud of. Obviously you are. And want to talk about your mission and, and what it is that you guys really see as your mission um, and Mark, when you guys did like Boy Scouts and things like that, or even school, did you ever go take a tour? I know we did. Did you ever go just sort of go out on a, on a field trip? Well, a couple of years ago, I was telling them that I went on a tour with my son uh, just around some of the historic places mm-hmm. and stopped in at Blunt Mansion, had the grand tour. As we were walking out, my son reached down between the bricks at the white gate and picked up a skeleton key. Wow. Out of the dirt. You're kidding me. Between the bricks. Did you turn that directly turned it in. in? That's what you should have done. That was the right thing to do. That's it was right. the right thing to do. <laughs> and what happened with that, I wonder? Well, I've asked them that, and they're going to investigate it. <laughs> <laughs> Not well, only for sure. The mystery continues. Right. Oh, that's all. You said it's on your desk? I said, I'm not sure it made it all the way to my desk. I got But it's in that house somewhere. It's on eBay right now, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't working here yet, so. (laughs) Well, we're excited to have you guys. Thank you so much. We'll be right back right here on the Housing Hour. Stick with us. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. There's just something about Christmas music, you know? And Frank Sinatra. Yeah, Frank does it the right way. I love Christmas music, I love this time of year, and I'm really enjoying and loving having uh, in studio with us David Hearns, the director of marketing for, no, I'm sorry, I apologize, the executive director, I gave him your job, MJ. Um, We have David Hearns, the executive director of the Blunt Mansion, as well as 
MJ, Michael Jordan, who is the director of marketing. We want to thank them both for coming in and spending some time with us, as well as thanking Richard Swan for helping us connect with them. And uh, we were talking in the first segment a little bit about what your all's roles were, and or really not roles, but what it was that you guys represented and some of the history behind um, the mansion, the man, and all of that. And if you guys don't mind, give us kind of what what is the mission of Blunt Mansion at this point in 2019 going into 2020? Well, you know, strictly the mission is to preserve the house and to tell its story. But within that narrow statement, there's a thousand things you can do. We can talk about historic preservation and the craft that goes into saving an old house and keeping it alive. Uh, We can talk about the Constitution connection. Blunt Mansion is one Mm -hmm. of only a dozen U.S. Constitution signers' houses that still stand, and only a handful that you can actually visit. So we're a place where you can have a literal tangible hands-on connection with this important part of American history. So Mm -hmm. we've partnered with uh, the Duncan Law School at LMU, at Lincoln Mm -hmm. Memorial University, and uh, we bring their experts on constitutional law in to talk to fourth graders and fifth graders and even first graders about why do you need a constitution. And I can barely even talk to my son about what he did today without putting him to sleep. But these people can come in and talk to them about the U.S. Constitution and make a first grader understand, and it's it's amazing to see. Well, speaking of that, what I, one of the things that I find fascinating is how we communicate with today's youth and how can we break through. And the play Hamilton is, is a perfect example of that. Granted, not everyone can go see the play Hamilton because of the cost, obviously. But, you know, even on, you know, Apple Music or any of these different platforms, you can listen to the entire play. And I've listened to it a few times. And it's an education, guys. I mean, have you have you guys listened to it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's you an haven't? education. Have you listened to it, Mark? I have not. You really need to. Well, it, we're really more Jeffersonians, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it, but you know what's cool? And from a historic accuracy perspective, I couldn't tell you. I just don't know. I know that it was that particular book that was written. Was It was, so it was based upon sort of the autobiography of Alexander Hamilton. I don't remember the gentleman's name. But I guess what I'm getting at is that has played so well to younger audiences Um I really feel like that that should be the way that we help educate and it may go in line with what like what you're speaking to um, in a way that people can be entertained by it. Right. You know, in the past, we've worked with high schoolers and we even did a couple of sessions of our Blunt Scholars program where they rapped and sang about history. Oh, that's cool. They used Hamilton as the basis for that. A teacher um, that we worked with uh, out of uh, Morristown. Yeah. Did a a very interesting segment and uh, on on Hamilton and how it relates and everything. And the kids knew the stuff by heart. And so it was, uh, it's a good, um, a good tie in. It's a good thing that draws people in. So I think the best thing you can think about it is if it makes them think about it and it puts it, puts them in a mind to learn more about it, then it's a great thing. And when you look at history and, and I guess the blunt mansions history and uh, William blunt, the man, when you look back at the person, you know, people that are in our history are not always the people that we make them in our in our mind. Right. Um, Alexander Hamilton is probably one of those, and that really comes out in the play um, when you listen to the whole entire play. And very much like what you just told me about William Blunt in terms of being uh, the first you know senator to be impeached and and so forth. You know, and it was about treason. Um, those are the types of stories where if you have a way of of getting people engaged you can really start to learn more like, wow, this is incredible. This individual plays such a key role. And then, you know, that doesn't make him 
a terrible person, but let's let's look at the full scope of who he was so that we can understand like where he was coming from. And and I think I think it for me at least, it makes the Blunt Mansion experience that much more interesting is when you start to understand the context. Right. And I, and that's important because, you know, for a long time, you know, history in general in this country was much more hagiographic. So we have a very, you know, fond remembrance of right. a lot of our family Absolutely. fathers. None of them were perfect. We're taking statues down now. Exactly. And I mean, that's, uh, that's delving a little more into the modern aspect, mm-hmm. but in, in the way that we present, you know, as whether we present blunt, we present him warts and all. That's the kind of the, the way we look at it. You know, he had, he was a very complicated individual that did things that you can look at and say, you know, the creation of the state of Tennessee is a good thing. Mm-hmm. He was also a slave owner. Mm. You know, and so, the Cherokee had a different opinion about this too. And mm-hmm. you know, they're definitely of a mixed opinion on on his uh, performance as, uh, you know, uh, the representative for Indian affairs. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, it's so. Uh, let me ask you this question yeah. because it goes in line with the mission. Because mm-hmm. you, on one hand, would you call yourselves historians? I am. You are. Yep. You're a. I, I, my degrees are in history, but I work in marketing. <laughs> well, so you got both of the, yeah. the best of both worlds, kind of like Hannah Montana. So that's good. Um, anyway, so <laughs> let's I hope my career doesn't take that direction. <laughs> <laughs> I have kids, so I use that all the time. Um, but so for you guys as historians, there's there's history and which is fact. There, you try to become very factful in your discovery of who things were, how things occurred, and then. When it becomes time, if someone, like an example, you know, if somebody came, William Blunt, he was a slave owner. He also, though, did many good things. So he has a mixed kind of bag of things. Um, how, how do you guys communicate with the public? Because I think it's educational. Well, I mean, it's, it's not my job to puff him up, you know, right. to, to make him more than he was. My job is to educate the public on what the man was really like. Uh-huh. And so, you know, by and large, if you go to the home of a former slave owner, most people draw the correct conclusions about slavery was uh, a tremendous evil uh-huh. and nobody should own other human beings, um, you know, and it's it's not a hard thing. Right. In you know, the entire time I've worked at Blunt Mansion, I would say there's only been ever twice that somebody didn't come, obviously didn't come away with that. Mm, yeah, well, that's a good point. Let, let me point. ask you this: yeah. um, yeah. You want to talk about Christmas? No, no, no. I want to. <laughs> I want to talk about Blunt the Man. Yeah. Um, it, what was his? I mean, we know him today, mm-hmm. and you know he's kind of a well-known person in Knoxville and surrounding. He's no longer alive, just to make it clear. right. But <laughs> he did there is a William Blunt in Knoxville. Oh, okay. He's a great guy, one of our members, but it's a different guy. Okay, okay so <laughs> not the same DNA. But um, well, what actually, was, sort of. He is a direct descendant. Oh, okay. And his wife oh, is right. also named Mary. So yeah. how so cool is that? But when he was in full fledged, mm-hmm. you know, in, in flesh. Yeah. What what was his influ- was his influence more you know what was his influence worldwide versus locale? Well, I think the Blunt family themselves are very influential in North Carolina. You know, the family that Blunt is born into, they're already his father is a politician and and a businessman, and so the you know how he grows up is in this privileged business family. And I think a lot of his personality comes from his father. When you look at the type of man that Jacob, his father, was, I think William is a lot like him. Um, but William and his brothers are, you know, are, are business people. Whereas I think William's kind of the face of the family, and his brothers John and Thomas and, these, and his younger brothers are really the ones with a lot more of the business acumen. You know, he was the oldest male in the family, so he had a lot of responsibility to, you know, to move 
move the family upwards and onwards, you know. And so um, he really was, you know, his family was very influential in North Carolina. And so after the revolution, um, you know, he his star is rising all the way up into the impeachment. And so, you know, everything he does, you know, from his marriage to, you know, going to the legislature, going to the constitutional convention, becoming territorial governor, everything is just an upward trajectory until it all kind of comes crashing down when he gets involved in this ill-conceived conspiracy, um, which he did because he was desperate. He had, um, um, he had basically lost uh, his entire fortune and, and uh, was desperate to try to regain it. And, and this is getting in the weeds a little bit, but uh, his, his, um, his getting involved in this conspiracy was dr- directly related well. to the Spanish and the French and their movements in the Mississippi Valley in Florida. It, so It actually speaks to your mission, because what happened is he got upside down on major land purchases. Uh-huh. Hundreds it was of ill-advised of borrowing. Mm. Uh, he probably could have used some sage counsel, like mm-hmm. you can get here at the yeah, Mortgage excellent. Investment Group. Yeah, investors. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, at MIG. MIG, there you go. Some. Yeah, he, uh, he was all about opening up Western land to expansion. That was mm. the story of America at the time. Right. And so he and his co-investors, I think it was upwards of a million acres. Well, between, what wow. become as Tennessee. a family, they had a couple of million acres. Yeah. Between North Carolina, the territory, you know, Kentucky, you know, land all over the place. And they're buying it thousands and thousands and thousands of acres at a time. And he just ended up, you know, if it, when land prices dropped in 1797, you know, he's, if you paid a dollar an acre for it, it's now worth a penny, you know. Wow, great recession yeah. sounds like yes. it hit back then. And he was still trying exactly. to borrow even then. He was fending off creditors with senatorial immunity while he's trying to borrow more money to buy more money. It was, it was his strength and his weakness, you know. Yeah. Right. I, I think it's interesting, too, the way, if you look, the, the politicians of that time, he was very aggressive in wanting to expand, right, the settlement and wanting to push past the Appalachian Mountains and yes. Middle West. And I thank goodness for that. I mean, we, we would maybe have some of the things that we have today had it not been for his vision and, and his foresight and his business acumen. Um, now granted he's probably negotiating with tribal, um, you know, Indian tribes, maybe, I don't know how that worked, but well, that was his other job. Yeah. That was his other job. That was his other job as, uh, Negotiated the Negotiated. treaty of the Holston yes, exactly. to open all of this so, up. You know, yeah. he's working with the Cherokee and, and, the, and the Choctaw and Chickasaw. And, well, keep so. that Chickasaw in your mind, guys. Sure. We'll be right back after these messages. We have a great show. Last two segments right coming up. Just one moment. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. Guys, I tell you what, this time of the year, Mark, thank you for all that you do for the show. Oh, well, absolutely. It's fun to do. And Christmas is a time of joy, and it's time of of paying respect to those around you. And I think honoring people in your life who you are blessed by, and Mark, you're one of those people. I just want to say that publicly. Well, thank you. And uh, put you on the spot for a moment. What do you have to say back from me? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) You do a great job on the microphone. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But the Housing Hour is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. Uh, You can go to MIGonline.com to learn more. And, uh, you know, Tennessee is where it was that we actually focused for a long time, but now we certainly have a, a goal to expand, and we are. So go to MIGonline.com. You can find the office nearest you. We have offices all the way from Charlotte to the Memphis and everywhere in between. So um, back when Tennessee and 
North Carolina were one state, it would have still been Tennessee, but that's... Now we're one lender in both those That's states. right, that's right. <laughs> but in studio with us, we've enjoyed, I have enjoyed very much the first three, se- two and a half segments, two segments with uh, Blunt Mansion uh, folks, and we have in studio Executive Director David Hearns and also Director of Marketing Michael Jordan. We've been talking about William Blunt and the history of Blunt Mansion, also about his history uh, during the time period that he was serving as a legislator in North Carolina. And then I believe he was appointed by George Washington yes. himself, right, to the governor of the territory. Is that correct? Yes, the governor of the territory of the United States south of the River Ohio. Wow, that is a, that would be a hard team to introduce if you're at a football team. That's why most people call it the Southwest Territory. It's gotcha. Mouthful. Now that's interesting because when he was appointed that, um, I said I was going go to go back to the mission, but real quick, when he was appointed that, that included how much area? Um, all of what is now Tennessee mm-hmm. and then parts of northern Alabama and Mississippi. It kind of all the way over to the river, you know. That's incredible. And then when did the Louisiana purchase occur? 1811? 18, that was 1803, 1802, wasn't it? 1802 or three. I think the 1811 was, was, there was Lewis a war. and Clark. I don't <laughs> no, that was like three or four. So it was 1802, right. I think. Okay. okay. Well, because I know that, that obviously that came to pass, you know, post William Blunt's rise in his career. But Correct. I don't know that that ever happens without some of what he sort of laid the foundation for in order to expand out. Because, I mean, the Louisiana Purchase, you know, was a pretty big deal in American history. But well, let's go to the 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 Blunt Mansion, the history as far as the events that you have, because you guys have established some history of your own um, since the William Blunt, the Blunt Mansion has been open to the public. Um, how long has the, the mansion been open to the public? We opened in 1925, so wow. we're almost 100 years old. That's pretty incredible. 1935, they began to, the, the Garden Club. Garden 34? Club came in in 34. 34. With Knoxville okay. Garden Club. And they are, they continue, it's the it's the largest garden, what did you say? True. In fact, it's the only one that, that is yeah. open to the public. Right, and, and it's beautiful. It's incredible. It's, it's like an oasis, and it's just tucked in like in a little pocket beside the Gay Street Bridge mm-hmm. where you could almost stumble across it and not know it's there. But behind those trees and behind that fence is a whole other world. That is incredible. And then also during the Christmas time, during the holidays, we have, you guys have that um, also decorated. And who decorates it? It's the Garden Club again. Garden Club. And they come in like Santa's workshop. 60 ladies. They've been doing it for so many years. They'll spread these wreaths out on the ground like soldiers in a row, 40 or 50 wreaths. And they just go to work. And within two hours, they've transformed the whole place. So, oh, it's, uh, yeah. so when does that happen every year? It happens uh, this year. The decorating was on December 5th, which is mm-hmm. a Thursday. And our open house was the next day, which is a Friday. Nice. So the, the decorations as we're recording have been up for a, a couple of weeks. Oh, They're that's still really cool. incredible. Now I bet when you guys come into work, that makes things so much more enjoyable. I would imagine it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I bet. Now, do they do lights? Does it candles? Is it uh, is it traditional decoration? Well, it's traditional in the sense that, um, well, we can't use op- we can't use open flame. You mm-hmm. know, fire is still our biggest danger as right. far as the museum. So yeah. we do have to use digital candles, but we have good quality ones that look nice and nice. everything. But they flicker you know, effectively. Yes. Ah, I love it. And so it's we it, you know it has the same effect even yeah. if you know we can't use real candles just for safety. But right. but you guys aren't doing National Lampoon Christmas Vacation kind of lights up on. No, the that's in my house. <laughs> <laughs> There would be a literal uprising if we did something like that. Yeah. We untied uh, the dog from the back bumper before we came to. <laughs> but um, but no, it's uh, you know the the decorations that we have you know have, have they've 
they've got it down to a science. You know, they yeah. really they use uh, all native greenery. You know, everything mm-hmm. out of their own yards and other people. Uh, you know, locally and wow, uh, tons of magnolia and just it's. Would it's uh, really William Blunt have done the same type of decorations? Do you know what they would have done back then? Probably not to the degree that they do because they still have to live. You know, live in the house. everything and um, but uh, they. Um, they definitely probably more of that kind of decoration you're going to see in a lot of churches. You know, that's where you're really going to see it because I mean, the only, the only decorations they would have had is whatever would have been green at that time of year. And so all of your evergreens and hollies and your magnolias and things like that would have been, you know, uh, depending on the part of the South that you're in um, would have been what they used. As far as now, now because people can come see it, right? They can come see the decorations. I mean, they can't just stop in any time, can they? Or can they? Um, as long as we're open. You know, we do uh, tours uh, Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 4, 10 to 4 and then mm-hmm. on Saturday, 10 to 1. It's so, a guided tour just because of the, the nature of the site and the value of the artifacts that are inside. But our docents are fabulous, yeah. and they're all special in their own way. No matter when you come, it's, it's a great experience. Yep. So we've all, you know, we've all missed the open house this year as it, in terms of – the quote open house that that does not mean you can't still come and no, enjoy no. come take a tour yeah come take a tour and it i think that would add quite a bit to the tour um but there is for next year you can go to i believe the website is bluntmansion.org correct yep. or any of our social media right so just you know go follow them on facebook on whatever other social media they're on and you just make sure you put it on your calendar for next year because I bet you the open house is great. Do you have do you have singing or anything like that? Or Depends on the year. We do, do, do you, you know, sing? Sometimes musicians, sometimes singing. Do I sing? Do There's sing? always cookies, I'll There's, tell you that. Oh, that's good. I'm sold. Come early. <laughs> I try not to sing. It tends to run people off. <laughs> well, It will be the first weekend in December next year. Okay. Again. Yeah, because I, I think that would be great. Because people are, are, you know, nowadays, I think people are always looking for two things in during the Christmas times. At least parents are. Looking for something that has to do with history and Christmas and enjoy just the sights and sounds. But also we really, I know for me, we want it to be somewhat educational for our kids. And whether it be that you go to the open house or maybe you go take a tour um, with the way the mansion is actually decorated. And it's, a, it's, it, you say it was a self-guided tour. No, it is no, guided. It's guided. Oh, it's, it's a guided. guided tour. Even better. Fascinating. And um, who does the tours? Do you guys do them? We ever? have docents that uh, uh-huh. are all volunteer docents that we have. Uh, some of them been with us for years. Some mm-hmm. of them have not as long, but um, they're These all These people are saints too. And, yeah. We're, we, we wouldn't be able to do what we do without them. And mm. they're, they're excellent. Wow. That's so cool. Now, do you all offer group, Tours, like let's say somebody had a had a company and they had you know forty people or thirty sure. people, whatever. Do you do private tours? Oh, as of course, well? yeah. And we actually we have a Rotary Club that meets at Blunt Mansion. Nice. We've had Boy Scout troops, uh, you know, DAR groups from other states. We're always open to. Is there groups. anyone living there? Yeah, Blunt Mansion. Yeah, I feel like well, it. yeah. I feel <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like there. the director is there all the time. But <laughs> literally right. there six to seven days a week. So yeah, I feel like I live there. Now, a part of your job, David, do you guys get grants and things? Yes. So is part of your job to write writing grants or writing grants with a, with a board, I guess? Um, I do most of it. Yeah. Um, you know, um, the board is, you know, they're more of an oversight, but yeah. uh, they, they can bring things to our attention and usually they leave it up to us to do the actual yeah. uh, grant writing and things like that. But um, basically, you know, Grants are part of how we raise money. Yeah, well, and private donations be. as well from yeah. members of the community. That's kind of where I was going because people who want to continue to see these type of, and again, to repeat, this is the only national historic site in Knoxville. National historic landmark. Yep. So landmark in Knoxville. And, of course, that gives you a leg up, I'm sure, on some of the grants. where Because, I mean, 
a lot of that's earmarked for specific places. Like it does this. open up some opportunities that other other historic sites might not have. But right. you know, we work in a consortium with the other historic homes in Knoxville, called right. Historic Homes of Knoxville, right. and there's seven of us, and you know, we all kind of all pull in the same direction, if you will, because you know we're kind of stronger as a group than we are, you know, trying to trying to do things on our own. And yeah, um, it's a you know great great group to work with. Yeah, I, I'm sure you guys have a great time. Now, um, during this time, whenever uh, you guys have different types of events throughout December. Um, are there any other events that you guys have in December or January that are related to, you know, f- as far as a holiday or a meal or anything like that? Even Thanksgiving. I, I bet you Thanksgiving is amazing there as well. Um, it's actually one of the few times we're closed. And during uh, Thanksgiving? It is, during Thanksgiving is one of the few times we close. Yeah. Uh, during so the it's year. amazing for us. So it's, <laughs> it's, it, is a nice, uh, it is a nice rest break because it, it's a guaranteed time that we are, that we are off. But yeah. Uh, um, and we do close around Christmas as well, but you know, for the most of the rest of the year, we're you know we're there and we're working. You know, one of the most exciting things that's happening right now is that we're seeing more school groups than we've seen in years. Mm-hmm. The state of Tennessee changed the curriculum mm-hmm. this, the, for this year to give fifth graders a focus on Tennessee history and the early statehood period. And so we reached out to the Knox County Schools. We also work with uh, homeschool groups, private schools, and we've had 1,400 students this year. Wow. Uh, most of them in the second semester. So we're hopeful that as, as we reach towards the 225th anniversary of Tennessee coming up, we can, we can grow that as well because this is, these people grow up to be people who know about history. That's awesome. And education is our core mission. Oh, okay. There we go. Now we're back to the mission. I figured I'd circle you back. Brought you back. We're going to continue with this conversation. I love it very much. We have in studio with us some folks from the Blunt Mansion. This has been very interesting, Mark, and I really appreciate uh, you guys coming on. Guys, continue with us. We'll be right back after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. What what a quiet, soft, wonderful sound. Still, still Frank Sinatra, though. But that's okay. Christmas was not the Christmas that we know back in 1792, the Christmas that we know today. And I think you mentioned that William Blunt actually lived in his mansion for only eight years, and that was from 1792? 1792 to his death in 1800. He died in the house in 1800. He actually died in the house. Um, and Christmas today, we have shopping, we have we have festivities, we have we have caroling, we have a lot of things that you didn't have back then. Um, what did Christmas look like in 1792? It's a religious holiday. You know, it's it's not a ongoing multiple day affair. It's really one day, you know, they celebrate. Um, and a lot and of And I people, understand the pagans loved it. That's true. No, that's true. There, there are some, there's some background there. Um, <laughs> but in North Carolina, where Blunt comes from, they still celebrated old Christmas, would have been January 6th. Okay. Um, and you can still see some of this too in like Winston Salem with the Moravians and things like that. They still celebrate mm. parts of that in, in, in January sixth. Mm. Um, but you know the it's really uh, all about the the religious holiday um, in the South. In New England, it's still illegal to celebrate Christmas for a good number of years later. Um, but in the South, they would celebrate with 
a meal and with church and that a lot of the decorations that you would see uh, would be them decorating the churches for, you know, for obvious reasons. Uh Um, Some decorations around the house, but really the focus is on the church. Um, And um, gift giving was a lot different then. Um, Gifts that would would be given were not necessarily exchanged among peers, but it would exchange, would be given from the head of household down and it was not as ext- anywhere near as extravagant as it is now. You know, uh-huh. kids might get a little something, you know, but it's not everybody in the house gives everybody else presents. Yeah. So. One of the things that Mark and I had a couple of years ago, one of my favorite shows, we had a, a history professor from Tennessee uh, mm-hmm. come in talking about Charles Dickens and uh, what was her name again? Dr. Misty Anderson. Yes. She was fascinating. And um, I really got a lot out of that show, but she was um, talking about some of the things you're talking about and how it was very much a religious holiday and it was not what we know today, of course, but the meaning of that day was vastly different than what it is current day. I think that's pretty obvious, but you could even compare it to post Dickens novel to pre Dickens novel, how we looked at Christmas because there was, was many people, even in America, or whether that be in other, you know, New England or even in England, that did not celebrate it the way that we do today. Um, what in your, because this is post uh, William Blunt, but when William Blunt was living in that home, would he have decorated the home for Christmas? Would he have? Well, I mean, I think they would have done something, mm-hmm. but it's hard to say exactly what. Um, I think to... I think the best way that I can explain this is what a lot of people think of when they think of a colonial Christmas or a Christmas, mm-hmm. you know, of this time period, they think Williamsburg. Right. And um, right, right, right. Williamsburg, bless their hearts, uh, really invented the colonial Christmas that you see. So if anybody's got fruit and, you know, pineapples and, you know, oranges and, and apples and all these decorations that they, that, that they do, especially in the houses, it's really something that they made up mm. um, because very early on in order to attract visitors, Williamsburg, um, they, they gave their historians a task said, tell us what Christmas was like. And they came back and went, that's not what we were hoping not for. Really, it wasn't, it wasn't the answer that the, that the, the, the people were looking for. So you guys want to make some candles? <laughs> so they pretty much invented their, what they, what you see now is a, as a Williamsburg Christmas kind of out of whole cloth. And so, mm-hmm. um, but it's know, truthy as Stephen Colbert would say, but mm-hmm. you know, even, but it's been going on so long. It's its own history at this point. Right. Well, you mentioned uh, that they would have a meal and yes. with William Blake. Can you tell us what that would consist of? Yes. Cause we think of Turkey and goose, that type of thing. Well, it's hard to say exactly, but, you know, it would have been, um, I would think that uh, Mary Blunt, Malsey Blunt, would have pulled out all the stops or something like that, especially if they had guests. And so, you know, you can think of it being, you know, meat courses and vegetables and soups and salads and uh, especially desserts and sweets. I mean, uh, a woman was judged uh, very strongly on uh, the table that she laid out and one of those things was the more, the more, the better. And so even if the dishes were small, if you had a, the larger number of them, you know, that would be one of the ways that she's judged. Now so, that back in that time period, I mean, he was at the height of his uh, authority and prominence. Yes. And so he would have probably entertained local leaders and legislators potentially. I mean, anybody and everybody you can think of that would be coming to Knoxville to do business with the territorial government mm-hmm. could potentially be a guest. 25 Especially, or 30 people at a time yeah, in this tiny could house. Be, yeah, and then, you know, Andrew, Andrew Jackson, um, John Sevier, um, 
lots and lots of people coming and going. Yeah. So, now, now he got into financial trouble at yes. what point in his life? How old was he? Let's transition from Christmas to trans- so 47 years old. 47. 47. So what year would that have been? 1797. Because it's wow. just interesting that he you mentioned young. that the, the land 50. values went down in half of the value or some of those coincides with the Charles Dickens. What happened was mm. Christmas lost favor because mm. people were in financial crisis globally. Yeah. It wasn't just the United States, but Europe too. It's the economy, right. stupid. Right. It's the economy, <laughs> stupid. So that's exactly. kind of what brought everything down. And that's why Dickens' novel hit at a certain point particular time that right. resonated. I can promise promise you this. If Trump would have been in office, we would have had a huge Christmas. I can assure you. Huge. <laughs> would have been huge. It would have been huge. Um, but no, that, that's fascinating because um, the Blunt Mansion during its time, 1792, we're talking about the really the genesis of a nation were so early in its in its lifespan and, and how many different iterations of the holidays and we also had um the gentleman on talking about thanksgiving and sarah who was the person who pushed very hard in, in the 1860s to have thanksgiving become a national holiday everybody gives abraham lincoln credit maybe for uh, signifying that as a national holiday, but really it was Sarah Haney who was one of the key figures. Um, and so, you know, so Thanksgiving wasn't really probably in 1792, even though it was just on the heels of the creation of a nation. Um, it wasn't this far South. I bet you it was not necessarily something that they celebrated that time. I mean, legitimately most people in this area at that time were just trying to survive day to day. Yeah. So, you know, big celebrations and big meals and these kind of things are not necessarily, uh, high on the list of most people's uh, right. list. They're not high on the list of things that they're, they're worried about. They're just trying about. to eat. <laughs> they're just trying to eat day to day. So, you know, bringing everybody together for a huge meal is, is, is difficult. Yeah. But the blunts being in a position of privilege and, and, and wealth would have more likely to be able to have those kinds of meals well, um, more often than most folks would have. Yeah, speaking of, I actually want to get real quick before we end. I want to, you know, people that are listening, you know, <laughs> I believe this. People that are listening, they may not have realized or connected the dots that Blunt Mansion was what it was or it is where it is. I mean, it's literally a seven-minute drive from where we are sitting right here at MIG Studios. Um, but how can people maybe come and be involved? I mean, is there, Michael, is there, is there ways that people could come out and help promote this? We always need people to get involved. We couldn't do what we do without people who are willing to give their time and their mm. resources. Yeah, uh, We have probably uh, around 25 volunteers that do everything from be docents to guide tours mm-hmm. to help with the field trips, to make costumes for kids to wear at special programs. Yeah, um, You know, we have folks who transcribe historical documents, uh, college students, high school students who intern and help us go through our collection, work with old pictures. Wow. Anything you're interested well, in, cool. we have a way we could use you. Because... I mean, first of all, Mark, you would be great uh, dressed up. I would love to see that, number one. But also, you could do a guided tour. This guy, I promise you, he would be great. No, it, that would be a, a now, lot of fun. Could somebody, we'll talk to you after the show. But could sure. somebody who, I mean, Mark is a historian. He's written a book. He, he loves history. But could it be anyone, if they fit your all's process to become a guided tour specialist, could we anybody train. do it as long as they go through the training? Yeah, we train people all the time. I, I mean, think that's it, really cool. Most people don't even come in, you know, don't come in with, a, with enough 
you know, background to be able to, to, to give a tour. So, you know, they right. basically we train them and we're happy to do yeah. it. And yeah. it doesn't matter how much you know or have read, there's always going to be a question you don't know the answer to. Right. So you just have to be prepared for that. Oh, absolutely. I think that's really oh, We made our careers out of that. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it's you always know, being able to find the answer. That's, 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 that's the key. Not knowing it on the, the top of your head, being able to find your that's answers. That's the secret. How would so. someone reach out to you if they wanted to host a group event? Or maybe do you guys allow for them there to be events that are sponsored that someone could have? Sure. Uh, you do that how, how would they who would they call well well like for instance we had city people you know they came they yeah. had a they had a garden party with us and mm-hmm. you know basically we just provided them the space to be able to do it so the website is www.bluntmansion.org mm-hmm. not com org right. and it's b-l-o-u-n-t and we're at 865-525-2375 we need a jingle wow twinsies that's really cool well i think it's amazing and mark i i tell you what there's things that we have shows about that really are fascinating to me this is way up on the top of that because the history that we have inside of knoxville um it really was the for in the forefront of the expansion of the united states and i think that's amazing for many reasons because you know even though william blunt has a checkered history he has a very interesting one that played a huge part and the United States as we know it today. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Appreciate it very much. And I want to tell you guys to go to thehousinghour.com. You can share this show with friends and family. And most specifically, I want to thank Mark for helping us put together this show and Richard Swan as well. We'll see you next time right here on The Housing Hour. That's The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. Also check us out at thehousinghour.com. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.